0: Boundaries are great for self-care. And so is telling someone to shut the fuck up.
1: (laughs) I am living out all my Bravo wishes because I am in the cloffice, bitches.
0: (laughs) Wait, okay. That was, it almost makes my heart go pitter-patter, as does, I know for sure, this episode. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode three- Fifty-one, And this is, I mean, talk about hashtag like spiritual Sunday. (laughs) We're recording this hours before the Potomac premiere, which, guys, I will recap and discuss at the tail end of this episode. But I am so excited to have an honorary New Yorker in the clawfish, visiting New York City, which I am going to force her to live permanently <laughs> at because we have so much to discuss. And P.S., we literally did have a pre-podcast podcast mm-hmm. discussion offline, which like has me especially raring to go. Listen, you know her as co-host of Daily Blast Live and host of Comeback with Erica Cobb, a podcast and social media show available on Ebony podcast network welcome back to andy's girls first time in the cloth erica cobb
1: oh damn (laughs) the
0: cloth is
1: everything okay are you loving it love it it, love it when there's ever a reason for you to come to Denver, we're gonna take you into the she shed Yes. yes yes this is giving me just she shed energy i love it because you
0: have been on the pod before and it is one of those moments of like god bless a zoom like opening up opportunities Mm -hmm. to connect with people outside the cities in which we live like we we love we support the internet here but it's another thing to first off have an in person conversation, which mm-hmm. I always prefer, but also when you're zooming, you don't get the full vibe because yeah. it's fucking cropped. Yeah, yeah, you don't
1: get the. But full I have vibe. to tell you though, I've got I I am not shocked by anything in, in your apartment. <laughs> like it's exactly like when I think of like, oh yeah, Sarah's meeting. So yeah, she, it's exactly what I thought when when I listen to AG. I'm like. Yeah, this makes sense. This makes a lot of sense. It is fabulous, y'all. Super fabulous.
0: Thank you so much. And shout out to Studio Piccolo, Tori Healy-Lisi, who designed this because I literally don't know what I'm doing. She just truly put my personality on display, on display, on display yeah. each and every day, every day, every day. I mean it is it we have some watch what happens moments. Yeah. We've got a fun little comic strip of the Gensha arrest that's framed on my wall. Yeah. So many colorful dresses and manolas. And it just it makes the vibe mm-hmm. you know, you just feel inspired yeah. by it. Yeah. A little
1: bit. This is great. And I, I just apologized, um well I apologize to you, Dame. Um I'm just gonna call you Dame from now until forever. <laughs>
0: I'm so into it. Please Um, go on.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately for the clawfish, I was at a nightclub literally like, I don't know, seven hours ago. So I'm like, I probably smell like bottle service.
0: No, you look (laughs) phenomenal. First off, you look phenomenal. I opened the door and I was like, well, I feel absolutely terrible about (laughs) this. I truly dragged myself out of bed and you look like you could go to a TV set for like Yo. Fashion Police and teach us all everything. Okay, first of all,
1: you look amazing. <laughs> you match the aesthetic <laughs> of the cloth and I'm giving um Dion from Clueless energy. Oh my energy. god, you literally
0: are.
1: Yes, I had to serve, you know, um, not just Dion not Stacey Dash because we know. I mean, remember, she, oh,
0: separation. Oh, separation is key. You know. We celebrate the character. <laughs> is exactly. And not the character of the mm-hmm. performer. Exactly. I would say to that, I'm
1: totally a version who can't (laughs) even drive.
0: Can I tell you though? I think that was a little bit of an inspiration the share closet moment, Mm. just in my soul, not necessarily for the cloth, but just the idea of like having you know, you press a remote Mm -hmm. and the closet goes by. I mean, technology Mm -hmm. is everything, yeah.
1: Because that didn't even seem like something that was possible at the time, it
0: really didn't.
1: Now it's like, duh, every housewife has one. (laughs)
0: They literally do, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Heather Dubrow had a goddamn, and probably still does, Heather's Closet. She Mm -hmm. had her own friggin' YouTube channel devoted to recording in her, I need to do Sarah's Cloth Fist. Yeah. Coming to a YouTube channel that I don't have near you.
1: Totally. You need to do that. I need to do that. This is fabulous. I feel like I'm in a store doing a private fitting.
0: (laughs) You know what? My favorite thing to do is shop the Cloth Fist.
1: It's... Yeah. I'm going to shop the cloth.
0: <laughs> it is. Like, there is something to go wake. This is psychotic, but I wake up in the morning. I have my Harney and sun cinnamon spice tea with two different kinds of frost, non-dairy uh, milk. We got some oat. We got some almond. Oh we got gosh. some living our best lives. I might try in a little dress. Really? With a Manolo. Stand in front of the mirror and start my day. Really? Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I have a dollar in my savings account. No. <laughs> I am pretending pretending that nothing bad could ever happen. Like, no. <laughs> truly. people are like, oh, I'm going to whatever. I'm like, OK, cool. I'm going to the other bedroom in oh my apartment. My Enjoy your vacation. Oh I gosh. love that for you. I love no. that vibe. Um. Listen, what? Erica Cobb. What are you doing in New York? What's happening? Yeah. How has your life been since we last recorded? What's going on? Tell oh my me. Goodness. Tell. Mention it all.
1: Uh, okay. So, um. Well, I'm here in New York right now for CultureCon. So that happened yesterday. It was awesome. Um. You know, amplifying and celebrating uh, Black creators Incredible. and uh, the the night. Or the day ended with Tracy Ellis Ross. Jesus. Um, hosted by Phoebe Robinson. <laughs> like, Oh my god,
0: talk about a yeah. closer.
1: Taraji was there. Jeez. Like, Tabitha brown was there. Like, oh it god. was just so awesome. Like Especially as a creator, like we, you know, we love our community, right? Mm. But it's very difficult sometimes to find community for a lot of us because, one, I'm a black female creator. Mm. Um, we, I'm in Denver. So like, it's not like there's a ton of people out there, mm. like in Denver. So now, you know, online, obviously, two, for two years, I connected with so many other creators but to actually get a chance to be in that space with people who are like you. Like I'm 41 years old and this is like the first time in my life where I'm meeting other black women like me. Mm. It's so surreal. So it's like anytime I get an opportunity to like come to, well, next week for BravoCon Mm. or CultureCon or it's like that inspires me so much.
0: What's the difference of being in the room where it happens versus creating that room online? It's just like,
1: there's this vibe, like, it's so weird because I feel like I'm 41 years old. I should be an adult, right? Like, understand myself
0: (laughs) to like a certain- No, that doesn't happen (laughs) maybe ever. I'm determined. I'm in my, as you know, I'm in my spiritual mid-20s plus and I'm just, I can't wait to grow up. No, I can't. But apparently, I don't know.
1: I'm not quite sure. It's just like there's an energy, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's something where it's like you're like me, you know, like it's just weird. Like I'm so used to being the only one Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a space like that and people are like even we were taking pictures and doing videos and stuff um, yesterday during Culture Con and it was like me and my my makeup artist. He's also the, uh, my creative, my creative aesthetic director. Jeray yes. Shout out to Jere oh my- for the sleigh. Um, my little brother, my little everything. Um, but we were doing videos and taking photos. And um, at first we were like kind of shy about it. And then I said, hey, this is what we're here for. Because, mm. you know, like when you're out on the streets, it's like influencers gone wild type mm-hmm. thing. Everyone's judging it. But like literally you're in a space where it's open for this creativity and all of these major brands are really there for you creating this content. Like, and they set up, there was so much thought behind it. Mm-hmm. Like I felt really thought about yesterday. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's, it's a weird way to say it, but it's like, you know, it just really like it warmed my heart. It was really special.
0: Well, I feel like thoughtfulness is impact, mm-hmm. you know, like make making specific choices and feeling comfortable taking up space yeah. is incredibly important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. obviously I don't have the perspective of a black woman, but as a woman, mm-hmm. I think so many women feel it's like we have that mechanism inside of us of minimizing ourselves yeah. or feeling Like, that is almost the environment in which we live. Like, take any train ride. Go on the subways in New York City. Mm -hmm. See the difference in how people sit. I always notice that when I'm on a train. I'm, like, squeezing myself in, not taking up any space. And I look. I'm surrounded by men, all of whom are... Comfortable and happy and not typically, I mean, talk about generalizations, but not necessarily thinking about the person next to them Mm -hmm. and their seeming obvious, uh, I don't know, not permission, but like the potential for them to want to do the same, but not necessarily feeling comfortable doing so. Yeah, yeah. And apply that to the experience of womanhood. I mean, a little bit.
1: Yeah. The wide stance is a metaphor for life. Right? (laughs) It is. It's like, wow, not only are you super comfortable just spreading, but also Mm. displaying (laughs)
0: the display truly the display and imagine being a woman trying to do the same thing how you would be judged how comfortable other people would be in judging that position Mm
1: -hmm. well I understand that because I do a daily daytime talk show so people and it's it's not so crazy to me when men say stuff to me it's Mm -hmm. crazy to me when women say things to me about how comfortable i am expressing my opinion and being very open about the whole thing like you can't give a lot of f's when you do <laughs> when you do daytime talk you know you have to be out there and what the prevailing message is when someone's saying something gross and inappropriate or whatever criticizing me is how dare you who do you think you are oh my god for having an opinion about anything it could be the most minute thing it could be something huge just happening in the world but like that's what the undertone is always like how who do you think you are that you can get on television and say what you really think never mind that there are five other hosts that i'm with who are doing the same thing mm-hmm. it's just uncomfortable to them because also does race play a part? Absolutely. Does gender play a part? Absolutely. It's very, it's a mind. It, I I try not to swear on things. So I'm like, you're gonna hear a lot. It's like a mind F. Um
0: like, I mean we um, say fuck here. We normalize saying fuck. I know, I
1: know. I'm Often. like I'm I'm and riding the line of FCC. <laughs> I just, because I'm scared that if I get too comfortable swearing on platforms, then I will do it. It'll translate. And it has happened once. (gasps) Yeah. Um, I got dumped. Yeah. I got the dump button for saying a swear word, but anyway, so that's why I I try to do that. But, um, yeah, like you can't really be restricted in that space. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people end up coming up with sentiments from their ancestors as well Mm. um, that are like, no, this black woman on television with braids in her hair, she can't do that. Mm -hmm. How dare she? Who does she think she is? Why is she so comfortable?
0: Okay. This raises a moment Mm. from the Beverly Hills finale, Mm. which I want to get your thoughts
1: on. Yes. Let's get into it.
0: Which... I should I should note, by the way, that I have watched the Beverly Hills finale. We're recording this again Sunday, mo- Sunday morning-ish. I mean, <laughs> it's morning regardless of 12 it's or brunch. 1. It's <laughs> brunch. Yes. It's a brunch vibe here at AG. But, um, you know, I've watched the finale multiple times. Mm-hmm. I've watched the finale multiple times, the reunion, reunion trailer multiple times. Got a lot of thoughts and feels. Mm-hmm. There is a moment
1: mm-hmm. I know, I, from I know. the finale mm-hmm. yep. that I
0: want to get your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Which is when Garcelle is doing her job, mm-hmm. talking about what happened in Aspen, trying to understand, LOL, why Rena and Erica won't let the mouse go. Mm-hmm. And Rina says to her, mm-hmm. why, and I'm going to fuck up the terminology, which unfortunately is very important here, but something along the lines of, why are you so mad? Why are you so upset? Why does this Affect you? Oh, it was
1: more than that. She basically said, "You ain't got to get no attitude." She said, right. "Attitude, attitude." <laughs> okay.
0: Would she? Would Rena say that to anyone else in the cast? No. Has she in that? Even
1: in that episode, it the way that it, the, what really rubbed me the wrong way about this. First of all, it's not the first time that Rena has like. The sentiment with Garcelle, like she definitely has an issue with Garcelle Mm -hmm. Um, for the same. I think a part of it is kind of the same reasons why she had an issue with Denise. It's like she sees them as being like her peer and equal. And so there's more of like in terms of like their careers. Yeah. Like, Like
0: the translation from Hollywood to Housewives. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So she is more critical I think because it puts her more on display. Like there's a baseline for all of them because they came up in Hollywood. They've known each other for decades. So it's almost like by being so close in proximity, it puts Rena's behavior a little bit more on display.
0: That is a really interesting take.
1: Yeah, I just I think it just because you can't be like, You know, with Kyle, that's something totally different because Kyle has a different pedigree. And then with Erica, she got in in a different way. But with those girls, yeah, I think it definitely exposes Rinna more.
0: Wow. I mean, the way that Rinna would even think about that. God, I don't know if I've considered that before. That's so that's such a great take. Like the nuance of one of her fellow actors saying something which in Renna's head frames her in such a way from a actor professional perspective, which she probably finds especially egregious.
1: Yeah. And and then also how Garcelle is excelling. Like she's in ascension and Rena is really at a down point. So the idea that Garcelle would not only come on Rena's show, but mm. also get a national talk show and even though that show was canceled like it still says a lot. She wrote a book. I just finished it. Um Garcelle's book. Oh my
0: god, um, I need to read it. Yeah,
1: read it's it. it's great. I would definitely recommend um what is it? Love Me As I Am? Um is that the name of it? Love Me As It I- is now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. Can't
0: remember the name, Something but I do Garcelle remember X-X-X-O. Yeah. Okay, great.
1: Super awesome. um, Yeah, but she's doing really well. She's, you know, she had Coming to America. She had all these things going on. Mm. And what's Rena doing other than Housewives and showing her ass on social media? Like, you know. Yeah.
0: And if you are Garcelle in that moment, how do you, what's the pressure like to respond?
1: I don't think that Garcelle feels a pressure to respond. Great, because great. Because when you are really living in your truth yeah. and you are in your moment that those are things that <laughs> why mm-hmm. like, she doesn't have to like time is money you know the resource of energy is a real thing you don't just give that out willy-nilly when you're in your moment like no why would you do that
0: <laughs> like- uh, absolutely and I feel like there's a trust sometimes that a person will reveal themselves if given the opportunity Mm -hmm. in this space. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about edits on Housewives and other things, but there is also the idea that if Rinna, Rinna's going to Rinna and at a certain point people will take note. Do you think that she's being, her behavior is being judged differently this season than seasons past? Like has your view of Rinna changed potentially?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't really recall a time where I was like super team Rena. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, uh, you know, like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She yeah.
1: can be entertaining. Yeah. Um, but I think it's gotten so malicious, and it's it's this. It's the smell of desperation mm-hmm. that is really not entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, there's this Hail Mary, like even watching the trailer for the um, reunion. Yeah. But she's like, well, put me on pause like that's it's so inside as I literally looked over and saw Dorinda's <laughs> face on your wall. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that was
0: <laughs> she's on a mug.
1: Super meta. Um, that's on a mug. Yeah. Which put me on pause. Like she's playing this game like inside and outside baseball, mm-hmm. like simultaneously. And it's really curious to me because I'm like, you know, she was a whole brand before Housewives. Mm-hmm. And now it seems that she's bought so far in that it's like her life starts and begin or starts and ends with Housewives. Like you don't want to be in that position
0: mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm.
1: ever. Now, if you were someone who has been built by this franchise and by this network, that makes a lot of sense. Like, Let me put everything I have into this, but you should also be leveraging these opportunities to get you something outside of the network, outside of the show. Renna went totally opposite and was like a brand and a name. And now she's put everything into this franchise, into this network. Why would you do that? Like for me, I've been doing media for over 20 years. My number one thing about trying to leverage all of my opportunities is the idea that I never, ever wanted to experience someone telling me I can't come into a studio again because my contract wasn't renewed or because... Mm they let me go or whatever, like all of a sudden I don't exist because I'm not within these four walls. Like all of my content disappears, my life disappears. Mm. That's what she's doing. She's putting everything in where she's literally putting herself in a situation where she could disappear if they decide that they don't want her back. Like it just, it, to me, like it's just too much. It's too much of a price to pay.
0: Great point. And also, with Rena, what happens when you are trying to subvert the character, but you're becoming it all the more? Mm-hmm. And I say that because... I unfortunately don't listen to Bravo-based pods. It's the sacrifice that I have made since starting Andy's Girls because I don't want another person's opinion or, more importantly for my purposes, another person's like conversation direction yeah. to subconsciously affect what I want to talk about on pods, mm-hmm. on this pod, um, certainly. But I saw a clip that someone posted of something that Casey Rose Wilson recently said on Bitch Sesh which was the fact that it is known that Rinna is a bully. And when Casey said something about Rinna on Watch What Happens Live, Rinna immediately, like literally immediately slid into her DMs and sent her nasty messages. Mm. And Casey was like, I was rattled. I was really upset. And it's something that Casey and Dan- Danielle discussed that she has done with a lot of comedians, mm. a lot of people who's, who are brought, you know when you're going on Watch What Happens Live, you're going to be asked specific questions right. to elicit a response and something that can be discussed, maybe even go viral online, but it's not, you're not there to play nice. Yeah, You're there to profess your opinion, which people may or may not like, but you're not necessarily looked at on Watch What Happens or podcasts or whatever else to play housewives politics in the way that maybe some housewives who are very sensitive and fragile to it would like. And Mm -hmm. for Rena, whose brand has been own it to go after people and have not only a lack of humor about the situation, but an understanding that the situation might involve people saying negative things about her. Mm-hmm. For her to carry the torch of saying, I'm in on the joke because I created the joke. Right. But then trying to make people who disagree with her the butt of the joke yeah. is... It's weird to me. There's a sensitivity that is abnormal in how Rinna reacts to things that she refuses to process.
1: Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on about it as opposed to being in on the joke because she created the joke. But what she didn't anticipate happening is becoming the joke.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It's like that. That's where we are. Yeah. You know, it's. um and honestly it's i'm not trying to say that to be like bitchy like it's an observation <laughs> like i'm just i'm being honest about it yeah. um because i don't want to see people in that i don't want to see women in that situation like there is a sadness like behind that with me um like like sis you're going out bad like mm-hmm. that's how i feel about it mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I think that's really the issue. It's a very, like, master of your own disaster situation.
0: And it is a wild experience to watch the finale because the ways that Rena and Erica respond to the group dynamic, a dynamic that they typically have more control over, as members of the Fox Force, which is a majority Mm -hmm. count on the cast, they did feel like jokes. I mean, like Kyle herself started laughing at the tail end of the episode because she's looking at these women parroting off each other attempting to distract attention from who leaked this oh you have a name well I'm not going to process it because um, draw your own conclusions but also listen if there were stories that weren't published why was that isn't this Mm. really isn't Kathy ultimately to blame for maybe somebody on my team attempting to leak stories to make Kathy look bad like there is uh, an art here that they right. haven't learned, which can be very entertaining to us, mm-hmm. but it's also frustrating and exhausting when we see the continuation of suspended understanding on social. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm just like, we this. I love talking to you because we get so deep, like in a way that I try to talk to my husband about, and he is great. He'll be like, What so and so said, what no girl, you know, like (laughs) I'm like, Yes. Um, but yeah, when it gets to like really deeply rooted in like Mm. what I'm staying up at night thinking about, um, Mm. so there's a few things. Lisa well Renna and Erica. So that's interesting because Renna bought into Erica Jane.
0: Yes, she A million, absolutely did.
1: Million percent. She uh copies her. Like there is this um there's this thing where she wanted to be in on that team. Mm. Now when that team became more complicated and more polarizing based on uh events of her husband. Um, Renna was still in it, but like Erica became a household name because of Housewives. Renna came into Housewives as a household name. People mm-hmm. knew who I knew who Lisa Renna was. Of like, course, so yeah, like Lisa Renna is for real famous, right? Yeah. But she started to parrot so much and mock so much of what Erica was doing that like she forgot about her brand, I think. So now She's so in it with Erica that it's like hard for her to separate. Like she's clearly she's ride or die. Mm-hmm. And she's showing that. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, for the first time in a long time, is showing signs that like, no, actually, I have a totally different value system. And if you mess up this side of the tracks, mm-hmm. then it's donezo for us. Mm-hmm. Um, where Renna doesn't have that type of pull in that direction, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and how do you respond to Rinna's moment uh, or Rina's own response when I think it was Garcelle asks her, you know, what do you want from Kathy? And Rinna says, I don't want anything. Like, how do you process that?
1: I think here. Th- OK. This is really going I'm I'm hope I don't like completely sound crazy, but I'm just Ooh, gonna I'm like, so excited go down for whatever you're hall. about to
0: say. I'm so excited. I'm
1: like, actually I don't care if I sound crazy. <laughs> that it wouldn't be the first time. Okay. So here's my theory on the Renna Kathy situation. Oh my god, I, I
0: literally cannot wait.
1: Okay, Cobb's conspiracy theory based <laughs> on absolutely nothing other than my opinion. Oh my god. So Renna didn't get the Momager like memo. She didn't get the mom side of it. Renna is playing this game where she's still trying to do the daughter stuff Uh where Kathy Hilton and Kris Jenner, who she clearly idolizes so much, they know their role in their lane. They are the moms and they own that. Like, do you, you see what I'm saying? Like, Renna is emulating Kim Kardashian. What she should be emulating is Kris Jenner or Kathy Hilton. She should be on that side. Remember how she screwed up the relationship with Yolanda, which totally screwed up her daughter. Like she could have gotten her daughters in. Yeah. And been far more, probably far more successful, to be honest, because Yolanda knew what the hell she was doing. Yeah, Yolanda
0: was a pro. Look at gigi and Bola. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Renna screwed that up because she's too busy playing in the daughter pool. She needs to move over to the mama pool. Like she's doing all of the daughter stuff and she's not a daughter. She's a mama.
0: Wait, that just blew my mind a little bit.
1: She's trying to do what all of their daughters are doing when she should be paying attention to what the mamas are doing because Kathy is really showing her She's showing her, like, what her role is. Like, Kathy understands this. Kris Jenner clearly understands this. Like, they're not trying to be the daughters.
0: And Rinna does seem very focused on the Kardashians mm-hmm. in trying to shame Kathy about them. The 818 of it all, her saying she's friendly with, or friend, literal friends with Kendall, her saying that Kathy is jealous of, Of Chris. Meanwhile, as soon as that episode goes up, Chris and Kathy are exchanging loving Instagram stories, which is obviously intended to be a show of support and a fuck you to Lisa. Mm -hmm. Seemingly.
1: How embarrassing. Like secondhand embarrassment. That's so embarrassing. Like you went out, out of your way to try to show. First of all, why are you talking? Not that there can't be relationship friendships that have like big age differences, but it would have made more sense to me if she was like, Oh yeah. Kendall's really good friends with Delilah. Is that her daughter's name?
0: Yeah. Delilah bell and Amelia gray.
1: She's, she's super good friends with Delilah. Like, Oh yeah. She's a friend of the family. Not like, Oh my God, we're friends. Like I love my 20 something year old friends, like, or people that, but we're not like besties. Like, our lives are very different. Like I wouldn't be like the way that she said it, it just felt very like, yeah. So like Kendall's totally like my bestie, like bitch, you're like 50 something years old. Like that's your, she could be your, your child. Like it just, it it was weird. It's weird to me. And I know that you can have friendships with people of any age, but the way that she was like glomming onto that, it felt thirsty.
0: Well, it's not necessarily about age. It's about, as you said, relationship. It's relationship and role. Not to say that you only have to play one, but to say that Rena has deeply miscalculated Kathy's, I guess, and also Chris.
1: Deeply, deeply. Yeah, they play in a different, they're in a different lane. And Rena cannot touch that because she doesn't understand it. Like, it seems very clear to me that, like, she is trying to still play in this pool that is no longer her. It's her daughter's pool. Yeah. You know, and there's no shade in that. But like know your role. Like it's like an identity. Like, She's having like an identity crisis on the show.
0: I'm she's having this is like bringing out something for me that I just think is a fascinating moment to talk about an identity crisis. The tail end of the episode ends with Erica saying to Renna after the night that they just had, you know, what's missing here? Empathy because of the loss of your mother. And I'm watching Mm. that thinking what a fascinating closer that you guys have decided for the for your participation in the finale role. Noting that a couple scenes prior, Rinna said that the scene in if she was not able to talk about what she says happened in Aspen, she would develop cancer as a result. The way that we are pretending to use empathy for the death of a parent as some sort of accusation against the empathy from members of the cast and Lisa Rinna had just turned to the group who everybody I know including myself has been touched by cancer mm-hmm. by someone experiencing it a loved one going through it continue you know like yada yada yeah. for her to look at the members of that group and say I am going to die if mm-hmm. you don't allow me to talk shit is so <laughs> Wild to me. Like, it's like desperate, obviously. And Rin is a desperate person, and God bless her for it. Yeah. But that is so obviously despicable and manipulative and like honestly tragic. It's tragic mm-hmm. for her to be that desperate to say that. Yeah. And so deeply insensitive that we are, and then we are closing the episode with talking about a lack of sensitivity that other people in the cast have mm-hmm. because Lois passed. It's so deceptive. It's like so deeply Mm -hmm. shitty. It's
1: manipulative. It's it's grief manipulation. Like Oh my
0: God, that's literally what it
1: is. Yeah, I'm and I'm very like, first of all, unfortunately I've had so much experience with grief and passings and all of that. I'm also the daughter of a mortician. Um so
0: Oh my god.
1: yeah. Yeah, my dad's a funeral director. Yeah, so it's literally, yeah, I I it's very much, you know, these are very common conversations like growing up. Yeah. Whoa. So I see how people grieve and I see like various I have a lot of examples, mm-hmm. you know. Um but yeah, it feels very much like grief manipulation and grief is something that you know, you don't ever I would never want to judge how someone grieves. It's when the grief is used as a weapon, how do you navigate that? And the truth is most of us, because most of us are decent human beings, um, would choose not to even go there. But when when it actively affects your life, you don't have a choice and you have to call it for what it is. Like if someone is using their grief to Manipulate something in your life or cause you to um, lose resources or time or feel a certain way about yourself based on their pain. I think that that is, um, it's not okay. And I think it's okay to say it's not okay, even if someone's grieving.
0: And how does someone like Rinna understand that? Like, how do you process that? Especially, like, is Rinna's. Use potential use of the idea of grief manipulation, conscious or subconscious, and how does that affect accountability for it or conversation around it?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, see, we she told us that it was conscious, and like, and I just want to be very clear like, if someone is listening to this and they're going through like their grief or Mm. you know, something, um, I am not in any way trying to be insensitive to that. Um, I hold space for that. But I think that Renna was very clear, well, my mother died, so if I'm being an ass, like, that's what it is. Yes, but also you have to bear the consequences of that. Like, it's not a free pass, to just be like, okay, well this happened and so therefore this is why I'm acting this way. In fact, if you are actively calling that out, like I'm acting this way because of this, then it's also kind of in your responsibility to navigate that and change that or like also acknowledge that other people might be going through some things too. So if everyone is an ass because of grief, then we just are in a world with a lot of asses, you know, like we really are it's like um, you know, I think about I lost five people during or twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one like my parents lost the only other primary person like in their families, like they feel like they're you know their immediate families are completely gone other than you know the kids and stuff. Like there was so much grief, like my cousins lost their moms. Like all of these people just died out of nowhere. Like, can you imagine like we lost a million Americans if everybody who was affected by loss was just like, I am going to rage and I am going to be an ass because I can, I would understand, like I understand, like, but I don't see that. I don't see my cousins or like my parents like just being asses like because they understand that this is life and it's unfortunate and we got to figure out a way to move on. Speaking of moving on, I went way too deep into that. (laughs) Sorry. No. Oh,
0: my God. First off, I'm sorry for what you and your family have experienced. And I think it plays directly into the concept of. Uh, what Rinna is trying to say, which is um, sort of a manipulative use of the idea that like hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And the phrase is mm-hmm. hurt people hurt people, not hurt people are allowed to hurt people. Yeah. And that's the difference mm-hmm. here is oh, that oh, like so it, good. it yeah. doesn't take away from the grief Rinna has experienced. It also it also leaves a space for the fact that people in pain sometimes respond and behave in pain because Mm. they're living in it but that does not give you the permission to burn someone else's house down Mm. it just doesn't like you may feel the fire within you but you are also handing yourself a match like don't take away from the fact that we all everyone in the universe behaves differently depending on the stress that they're currently experiencing Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's okay it and also the idea of empathy is very situation specific because there's sometimes the expectation that people will feel empathy because you're processing something but that's also sometimes a little bit of a burden if you feel directly targeted
1: oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah I think a lot of people get in situations too I think this is Probably relatable to a lot of your audience, but like you are holding on, like basically, you're giving someone a pass because of something that they're going through, Mm -hmm. and you're being not even the bigger person. Because in certain situations, like someone loses their mom, like it's like, okay, yeah, you can whatever, whatever you need if you need to scream, if you need to be an ass, if you need whatever. Like, I am not going to hold that against you in this moment but when the moment continues and then it elevates and then it escalates because you have taught them how to treat you like Mm. i'm gonna be a safe space for you to throw all of your anger Mm -hmm. and direct and project onto me and most people that's like a small season you know like if they have a time where they act out and they're inappropriate there's generally some contrition like you know there's something that you're like oh god i'm i'm really sorry like i you know it's been and it's one of those things where you're like you don't have to explain yourself mm-hmm. it's all good mm-hmm. it's fine but when they come back to give you more because you've made it a safe space for them not okay and that's what renna seemingly is doing to a lot of people
0: yeah there's also the relishing in it which is an it's mm-hmm. like. Um, What's the term here? I know I'm going to fuck this up. Masochistic almost in mm-hmm. a way. Like, yeah, the way that Rena looked at Kathy in this scene with Kathy and Rinna and Kyle. Mm-hmm. As Kathy is breaking down and sharing, which, P.S., isn't an excuse for her behavior, mm-hmm. which seems Holy terrible! The way that she behaved in Aspen, losing her shit and freaking out both in the Caribou Club. I can't believe the fact that I like remember yeah. Kimosabi. It's like <laughs> now I know exactly where to go in Aspen. <laughs> LOL, that I would be allowed in the door. But um, at the Caribou Club and at Kyle's house, terrible. Mm-hmm. But Kathy said that it was. Yeah. Kathy also said that she was sorry. Kathy also said. That by the way, a friend of hers or a friend of the family, which I believe was her husband's business partner, but I, I don't know because she didn't name them, had just died of cancer. Mm-hmm. Someone that Kyle knew because of the way that they interacted about it. So Kathy herself is dealing with grief, with grief, Oh dealing with grief, which doesn't excuse her behavior. Right. right? But she's acknowledging it. And Renam makes light of it makes Mm -hmm. fun of it ignores it yeah someone who died of cancer from kathy's love and then rinna is saying kathy i'm going to get cancer if you don't allow me to talk about this
1: yeah i didn't investigate the level of uh i never thought about how out of touch that was (laughs) right I I did not I I didn't that is interesting I was like I definitely was a what did she did she really oh lord like it was that but I didn't make that connection wow wow yeah (laughs) Um, yeah
0: there's also a phrase that my psychiatrist loves to use, um, which at this point, oh, which is when <laughs> understanding complicated mother-daughter dynamics, she's like, you know, a mom knows how to press those buttons because she invented them. And there's a way that I look at how Rina responded to Kathy specifically in that scene, and she was trying to push her. She mm, was saying, yeah. "You need help. You're you're having a psychotic break," which is quite literally factually incorrect from our understanding of what took place certainly Rinna wouldn't know the difference Mm. but I mean ideally we do yeah regardless of whether or not she does saying a lot of stuff to her you won't get away with this I know what you're doing and there is an aspect to me uh, of me watching that being like of course she thinks that Kathy's tears are a form of manipulation of course she Mm. thinks that Kathy is acting when she seems to me to be expressing a vulnerable moment and shame, because that's how Rina behaves.
1: Right. So of course right. you think yeah. that someone
0: is pressing those buttons because that's how you have behaved at moments, not in all of them, yeah. but at moments noting Rina's reactions and her selective memory in past seasons. I didn't say, I don't remember saying that Kim mm. was going to die. Like things that she has said on camera that she refuses to acknowledge occurred and the way that she interacted with Kathy yeah there is something there that I find really fascinating about Rena the way that she looks at people select people through a negative lens how much of that is a reflection of herself oh
1: totally of her projection. acknowledging herself right yes. <laughs> yeah yeah Like it's well, I'm just like it's resonating with me so much because I have had this or there was this personal issue where I was getting like a lot of a lot of flack from someone, Mm. and uh, when it came out what the reason for it was, it was all that they they were accusing me of something I had never thought of ever doing Mm -hmm. or saying. And then I realized, like, after being very hurt by it, that, like, oh, because that's what they would have done in that situation. Like, I see it now. Like, I understand why you feel that way because you would have done that. I've seen you do that. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not the way my mind works. That's what Rinna, like, she projects everything that she would do onto Kathy. That's not to say that the end result isn't there. It's not to say that Kathy can't manipulate situations. hundred you know? percent. It's just that the rule book, you know, the playbook for Kathy is very different than the playbook for Renna. Like Renna is, you know, she'll get messy. She'll get her hands dirty. Kathy don't have to get messy. She don't have to get her hands dirty. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she physically doesn't even have to be there. So it's like the idea that Renna thinks that Kathy would go to the same measures that she would go to. Like, it just shows you what Renna's playbook is even more.
0: Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last the lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time AG's can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obviously. Introducing Home Threads where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves, and always at the best value unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkels-clad Yeah. And it also shows those moments, the finale, the latter half of this season overall shows the toxicity in the Richard sisters Mm. through the lens of what Kyle what Kyle is able to process and withstand from her dynamic with Rinna, who she says literally is a is a sister to her.
1: Mm, I hated that.
0: Right. She in that moment, she goes, you're my sister to Kathy and to Rinna, you're a sister as well, which is to say to Kathy Hilton and the world, these two people are equal, Uh, uh, which is tough.
1: uh, uh, (laughs) uh, uh,
0: Erica's hands are (laughs) in her head right now. It's tough. Mm -hmm. It says a lot about the toxicity that surely exists within the Richards family. Mm -hmm. Maybe some very unfortunate role play in how Kathy treats Kyle behind closed Mm -hmm. doors. Mm -hmm. There is something here about, you know, like, don't yell at me to other people the way you maybe yell at me IRL. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit here. That's like maybe going on. But also the reaction of Rena to say, I also love, because Rinna was choked up when Kyle was talking in those moments about their love for each other. But, but how does that love activate? Because mm-hmm. Kyle is obviously expressing to us that she is very uncomfortable with the Kathy conversation yeah. and would feel better if it was no longer discussed mm-hmm. and Rinna doesn't Feel the same about
1: she doesn't get it yeah right she she doesn't get it which is also yeah and that is I feel like I want to lightly step because a lot of how I talk about housewives and stuff it's like I feel like this is a a team sport like Mm. you know yeah like I'm watching this and I'm commenting I'm Monday morning quarterback you know like (laughs) reviewing tape Mm -hmm. um this is entertainment, right? But yeah. these are also people's lives. And what we do know is that Renna had a sister who unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know what the um, age group or like how old she was or how, what their relationship was like. I imagine that that, that sister thing means something very different to her. And I want to hold space for that.
0: That's a great point.
1: Um, so But at the same time, Kyle knows better and I have a younger sister. I want to always make sure that my sister knows that regardless of my friendships, how close they are, anything, that she is always going to be my number one priority. She is always going to be leaps and bounds over anyone who comes into my life. No one can work their way into her role so the idea that Kyle was so comfortable kind of equalizing the playing field for both of them like as an older sister like I'm mm-hmm. about the same I think Kathy's like eight ten years older
0: I think she's like six oh no wait I'm getting something confused I'm remembering that Kyle was very young when Paris and Nikki were born but I don't know the age difference I forget but there's There's, a significant one yeah
1: there's okay probably more significant than me and my sister but we're almost eight years apart and um yeah that would be like just honestly I would feel a little devastated about that if my sister was like yes this is that you're my sister, but she's also my sister. Like, bitch, I am going to, like, you are deciding if the plug gets pulled on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not letting anyone, like, I, and I love my friends. My friends are great, but like, my sister is gonna pull the plug if the plug needs to be pulled. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's different. It's just different. You can't manipulate that. You can't, man, you can manufacture it in, to some degree, but if your sister's there, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you level her up more than Rinna?
0: I mean, the way that Rinna is positioning herself in what happened is in Aspen makes me feel like Rinna was affected by the meltdown that Kathy had at Kyle's mm-hmm. house. Not taking that away from her, acknowledging something crazy happened, but Rinna is saying that she was a victim of Kathy's behavior. She, wa- yeah. I, I don't think she was. My, my opinion is she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Kyle was who was there for maybe some of it at the Caribou Club, but not what happened after. Right. But Rina wasn't. She wasn't a victim of this. And that's the disconnect here, because the energy that Rinna is putting into the idea that she was a victim, but is also saying she was a victim because she's, like, supportive of Kyle, is not the same thing. And Kyle, this is, like, a wild suggestion to make understanding the Richards construct, but, like... Kyle needs to own that it's Kyle's job Mm -hmm. to say whether or not this is an indicator of like the long-term relationship that Kyle has with her sisters. But like, you really upset me. I am upset as a result and it's because of your behavior. Like you said terrible things to and about me. We need to discuss it. Mm -hmm. It's Kyle's decision of whether or not she wants to have that conversation on camera or off but there is now as a result of Rena's influence or interference a battle happening on social media between yeah. Kathy and Kyle even in the last day where they were like arguing and fighting with each other on um, an Instagram post of one of the producers of Beverly Hills saying I am you know, like, who has the right to be upset about what happened? And Kyle's response to that being, Kathy is saying, like, I'm the one that was, like, victimizing this, and this was a plot and whatever else. And Kyle's response is, like, you don't want me to say what actually happened because I was the one that was upset here. And that's mm. the focus, I think, mm. is, like, what's actually going on with these sisters and what actually took place. Yeah. And what Rena is doing is so harmful to that conversation Happening because she's stopping it from taking place because yeah. the focus is now centered on Rena's actions. It's mm. centered on what Erica said was most important. It's not the crime, it's the cover up. We're talking about the cover up now. We're mm. talking about moral crimes associated with the cover up and who's leaking stories, who's causing attention. We're not talking about what actually happened and how Kyle felt about it. Because yeah. Kyle doesn't want to have that talk. If Kyle doesn't want to have that talk, you know. Yeah, I don't think
1: uh, all speculative, um, obviously, but Welcome like to yeah, <laughs> I don't get the feeling that Kyle would be necessarily surprised or rocked if she had a transcript of what Kathy said. Great point. Like, I think that it's probably all things that have been said in some capacity before. Mm. I think it's also interesting that we're off the heels and starting Salt Lake where Lisa Barlow literally had this hot mic rant whole thing. So when it look when we're looking at the Bravo sphere, Kathy could have done that on camera. Like she could have, mm-hmm. she, she totally could have gotten caught on Mike. Like she did that and there's nothing like to me. I'm like, you know what? You got mad at your sister. You said some things. You were totally out of control. Who hasn't been there? You know, like you said some things. Are we not to say things? I know my sister talks crap about me. She says it to my face. (laughs) I say it to her face. Oh, my God. You know, it's like, you know, some of it, it's clearly not like I want to kill you, but like, whatever, I want to ruin you. Um, But, you know, it's like certain things, it's there's no shock value there. You know, it's just it's a I don't I don't think there's a scandal here. I think that there was. In like people were. Kind of pontificating or. Mm. That there was a scandal. I haven't gotten that level of scandal. Cause I was really thinking that like she said the N word. Like
0: Because that's what we were initially I, told.
1: Like I was like, oh man, this is yo. I I thought that's what it was. And then it's like, this is what happened. I don't. Mm. Yeah, that was either the cover up is really good really 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 good Mm -hmm. or everybody just miscalculated everything
0: well that's why it actually matters who leaked the stories because from my limited understand my limited supposition of what took place I'm thinking Kathy sent cease and desist about that part of the story that she's like it in my opinion Mm -hmm. not based on anything I think that if Kathy sent cease and desist letters she did I think she probably sent it about that aspect of it, because that was a huge part of the leaks. We all saw the same thing at once, which was allegedly she had some huge meltdown connected to saying racist and homophobic remarks to someone. And then there was the, was it Sutton's assistant? Oh, Sutton's assistant wasn't there. Was it somebody else or who happened and something at a club or something? We don't know what took place, but that was the framework of the conversation. Yeah. So, like, that's where it actually mattered. I mean, uh, not that's where, there are other ways in which it matters, but, like, who leaked it? What did they say took place? Yeah. Because if that literally didn't happen, that's, to me, spiritually defamatory. I can't talk about the legal aspects of it, but, like, that is a wild, Mm -hmm. wild thing to say if it did not happen which we don't know. And also, P.S., I just have to add that when Sutton was on Watch What Happens Live after the finale, she said something around, oh, I'm oh, sure I'm going to fuck this up, but like something around, like, we, st- we still don't know what happened in Aspen. And that, to me, is wild. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. You should know exactly what someone said happened oh, in Aspen sure. after the reunion was filmed. That, to me, is like, well, then, all hands are, I'm just going to assume that Kathy said Terrible things about her sister, maybe shit talk the rest of the cast, which is a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. So, like, I don't even know. Oh, Dorit's a piece of shit. B-b-b-b-b-. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's honestly a confessional. Yeah. You know, like, what? <laughs> I don't know how much of a huge, you know, Rena saying that this is something that can destroy lives. I'm like, well, then you need to tell us if it's about this right. other thing or not. Because right. I think we have the right to know.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I think because, you know, I've been binging my AG. Mm. um, And I think this was mentioned on your podcast about how Erica was the one who told Crystal that you have to say it all. Mm. Otherwise, it allows people to fill in the blanks and why she was so connected to understanding that. Because I think this entire storyline has been about allowing people to fill in the blanks about Kathy, you know, like yeah. by throwing it out there. Because here's the thing. Renna and Erica don't have a track record of burying the lead. Like you,
0: no one is like, I just oh, went to a spiritual said, plane when you like, said that. I just want to let see. everybody know. I have like my hands clasped in prayer. No. Okay. Yep. <laughs> they don't. We have never
1: known them. Now, Crystal, sometimes Crystal buries the lead, but that's because... <laughs> She does. But I think more so it's because she doesn't have as much um as much practice doing it. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's a skill set mm-hmm. that like housewives develop over season. It really, right? does, come yes, it really does, it does come with time. It really does come with time. It does. Um, but yeah, for Renna and Erica, absolutely not. So it's like, how do we get she talks smack about Kyle to like, well, she said some other things that could be damaging to the family. To then like it was about like Chow, if you're super famous, super wealthy castmate who you're trying to t- clearly deflect onto in order to help out your other friend, because that seems to be the call, like Erica straight up said, like, yeah, I think she should be held accountable too, which honestly, I'm not even mad at. I'm not mad at I am not mad at I'm that at all. I'm not mad at it. But you started out with all these tiny little details. And now you're peppering in like, child, it, it either tells us that your priorities are super out of whack or you're trying to continue to pile on to make Kathy look worse. Like you think that saying something like whatever about her sister is bigger than her saying potentially a racial slur or a homophobic slur. That is weird. That wasn't the first thing out your mouth. Like how I if if I was there, that'd be the first thing out my mouth like this woman.
0: Someone heard it or wants us to believe that they heard specific, Mm -hmm. deeply inflammatory language because that's what was leaked.
1: Yeah. But no one has talked about it, which means that either you're comfortable with people using that language. And it's so second nature to you that you didn't think to say it first thing out your mouth. The first thing was to say that she wasn't very kind to her sister.
0: And if we're going to talk about ugly things that were said on that trip, Erica Jane saying, I don't give a fuck Mm. about anyone but me. And we're pretending Mm -hmm. that a very deeply toxic relationship between sisters is at the same level Mm. of a hundred million dollar fraud taking place and the victims, trauma, stolen funds, everything else doesn't matter to Erica Jane. Mm. We are pretending these are the same things, regardless of how hard Renna and Erica are trying to push it. Mm-hmm. One does not equal the other and that was on camera that was literally on camera mm. and you know what Rinna did about it she wasn't trying she wasn't doing the thing that the other women did when Diana called Sutton a cunt mm. they weren't giving face to the cameras but not saying anything in the moment they allowed it to continue Rinna didn't do that when Erica Jane was losing her shit she said it's time to go mm. she didn't want it to continue on camera because she knew how damaging it was off yeah doesn't that yeah. tell you an awful lot about how Rena understands how things work on reality TV?
1: Oh yes, oh yes, for sure. And the ways sure. that you can
0: manipulate it mm-hmm. as needed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't shocked by that. Actually, it wasn't even a footnote in the equation. The idea—it's it, so like par for the course. Yeah. In terms of like Rena and Erica's relationship, that mm-hmm. like. You know, we at this point we can write the script of how mm-hmm. things are going to go, Um, because it's almost like it's a very it's interesting the Fox Force whatever <laughs>
0: we're also tired foxy, of saying it we're Foxy
1: also. Posse I don't know <laughs> Um because they operate almost like a political group. Oh my God! Where it's like, okay, we are going to tow the party line, we will never stop towing the party line. It does not matter if there is a person in the party that falls out, if they falter, whatever we are in, we've made a pack. It's a super pack.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's a super pack and super packed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like they, they're going to do that regardless, which is why it's so frustrating if there's any type of um, fallout or, something uncomfortable between Sutton, Garcelle, and Crystal, they have to do the same thing. They have to, no matter what, toe the party line because they're never going to falter from towing the party line. Now it's a a battle of the gaslight. Like if I believe that this is true, if we all buy into this is what the reality of the situation is, they're going to they're dealing. So the other three um, and that will Kathy as well. So it'd be Kathy, Garcelle, Crystal and Sutton. They're dealing in reality. The other ones are dealing in reality TV. So they are it's like the producers. It's like in the back of the house versus front of the house, mm, <laughs> you know, like a
0: hundred percent. So
1: they're going to like it doesn't matter if it's true. It just matters that we look good. Whereas the other ones are like, this isn't true. Mm -hmm. Why are we acting like this is okay? Because they're dealing in the outside reality. Like they're dealing in the real reality where the other ones are producing reality. So it's frustrating when Kathy, Garcelle, um, Sutton and Crystal aren't all on the same page Because it makes their side look a little weaker because they are committed to the truth versus the others are committed to the perception of the truth.
0: You have blown my mind about 800 times so far over the course of this episode. I do want to shift gears slightly Mm -hmm. because we're talking about the truth. We're talking about the perception of the truth. I want to get your thoughts on something that you referenced earlier, the current conundrum facing between Lisa and Meredith on Salt Lake, Mm. the way that the truth of what literally happened and how that truth is now being perceived and like weaponized by Meredith a little bit on Salt Lake like I want to know your thoughts on what happened last season with the monologue and how it's being used now.
1: Yeah, that is um, honestly, I think it's a little triggering for me. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. Not like not in a deep way, but like it's it's a trigger because I see myself in that situation. In which part? I see myself in Meredith's. um, Really? Yeah, yeah, where she is right now, because there is such a deep when you are a friend who is like, I don't audit friendship like at all like I'm never like I did this and I expect you to Mm. do that
0: Mm
1: -hmm. the way that I show love and the way that I go about friendship is like if you need me I am going to not only show up for you I am going to show up like a million percent I if you like if I'm eating and you're starving you are going to get fed like in the spiritual sense and the physical sense, like I, if I'm eating, everybody gets fed. Like that's just how I show up as friendship. Mm -hmm. I do not anticipate or expect that someone is going to do it in the same way for me, Mm -hmm. but it's like a situation where it's like, okay, I hold and honor that space. Meredith seemed to be more of that center, the centered friend. Mm -hmm. Like, what I don't know what Meredith's finances. I don't give any of that. But she seems to be the real deal rooted in who she is. Mm-hmm. And Lisa tends to come across a little bit more performing who she is. Um, like she's not 100% comfortable. Mm-hmm. Meredith seems very comfortable in herself. Lisa doesn't come across that way. And I think that Lisa found a lot of strength through her friendship with Meredith. And I don't think Meredith necessarily needed Lisa as much as Lisa needed Meredith. That's how their friendship came across to me. So when Lisa broke and went through this whole thing, it was really stating a lot of things that she truly has said before because it rolled off the tongue mm. so easily. And she was... um very deep. It was very personal, what she said about Meredith. And I think that that happens to people when they break because they're sick of feeling like, oh, this friend doesn't need me as much as I need them. And maybe I'm not, you know, of any consequence. So they get in their feelings and they have breakdowns and they say things like what Lisa said. And I think she a million percent believed it and it was real. And Meredith is now like, wow, like I have never, it's almost like I've never asked you for really anything. Mm. And I just expected you to be my friend. And this is how you speak about me. Like I put you in rooms or spoke about you or, you know, whatever, in only positive ways, always. And this is what you think of me. So it's so deeply personal because I think, everyone has had a situation with someone that you really had so much love for Mm -hmm. and you're like, damn, I didn't realize that you didn't have that type of love for me back or that not only that, you actually hate me and I let you in. Like it's more than a frenemy. Like that's deep, visceral, like jealous ish.
0: Yeah, and what Meredith said after of like and also my dad died. And I was going mm. through stuff with my family with my nephew and I needed someone there. Yeah. And you weren't there.
1: Yeah. That's tough. And then this is what you're saying about me. Like it's just Yeah, that's super it's deep. Like it felt it that was so this whole thing is so real. But also, I understand where Meredith is now because once you cross that line with someone who is very solid and who they are Meredith is on a oh I'm going to show you who I am to her unapologetically and that is like to me I understand it mm-hmm. um but I also that's a part of myself that I'm not necessarily in love with because If you tell me that, like, you have, you're a snake, you came into my world, I've offered you, like, all this access, and you hate me, you've done something to me, I'm going to show you who you're actually dealing with. Like, I have that in me, too. And I think Meredith is showing who Lisa was actually dealing with. And it's not, it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. It's going to sting. And it's not a great place to be, but like sometimes people just get you
0: there. And I do think that there was obviously a lot of underlying anger in how Lisa exploded. Mm -hmm. Does it matter at all that Jen seems to be a part of both situations Lisa said on Watch What Happens that Jen is the one who gave her that info about Meredith and Sutus in New York. Mm-hmm. Whitney said that Jen said the same thing to her and Jen is in agreement with Meredith about rumors she's heard about Lisa. Mm-hmm. Does that matter that the connection here is ultimately Jen Shaw? No. Okay.
1: No. I, I, well, and this is the reason why. It's specific to this situation. Yeah. Um. Jen Shaw right now... Um. She has got to play every hand. We need that. We need that from her. Um, I know that she is likely the genesis of all the drama, Mm. but if it weren't for the drama, we wouldn't be watching the show. Mm -hmm. We need, um, yeah, Jen doesn't, Jen's been very clear that she doesn't have like an allegiance to anyone. Jen's gonna go where it flows, whatever suits her, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And now, especially, Like, yeah, girl, put it, leave it all on the table. Like I'm starting to get to this point where it's less entertaining and I'm like, oh God, like this woman is about to go to the clink. Like that is heavy, that is heavy. And I was one who texted or uh, tweeted like if somebody doesn't get arrested soon, like <laughs> oh, I'm going to stop watching because, you know, wow. we were like and then I took it down because I was like, oh, that was incredibly insensitive. Oh, like, no. you know, I was like, uh, but that's how I felt because they kept teasing it. I was thinking of it as a show, not as like, damn, this is a mother who's about to go to jail, you know, like that's that's big. So I, I did delete it. Y'all I deleted it. Um, No, I don't think it matters. Um because they know who they're dealing with they both know who they're dealing with with jen
0: i mean i think they know who they're dealing with but Meredith is sort of pretending right now she doesn't
1: i know it that is hard but what's her other options what's she gonna do (laughs) like (laughs) you're looking at me what who else is left like mary's gone now we I think who's the new girl? Is there a new it, the girl that um did the party for I just quote, forgot her name. Angie. The, Angie quote did, did the, the party for. Right. Where she was like, "I normally have all the creative control and I had to just let this go." I was like, "Girl, this woman came on and paid for a party. Okay, you had no creative Harlem Nights why why even throw that out there? Like it was more of a white party. And I'm not saying cuz there were white people. Oh my god,
0: that's literally what I thought you were saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh Welcome to Salt Lake. Oh no.
1: It was a white party and it was a white party. Uh, no, I'm No. <laughs> it was just a very white room. Like, it was, I mean, aesthetically,
0: I'm oh talking God. about the aesthetic. I'm just ca- keep it guess-less. going. Keep it going. Keep it
1: going. Child, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to to that one. Sharif said it. Oh, my it's goodness. Like, uh, you can't just come up with Harlem Nights. Like, that was weird. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I would have, I would have changed up the theme just to make it look like I had something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it was a t- it was, it's a tough, it's a tough, interesting, fascinating time in which to watch Housewives because, obviously, the Lisa and Meredith dynamic is to me really fascinating, but so is what jen is doing and saying Mm. the idea that she was targeted the idea that she um i don't know the protection she is trying to use to shield her family members again using the reference that she is completely innocent Mm. and this is an attack like it's fascinating to watch her film with her mom Mm. now versus last season I wonder what conversations we will see with her and family members after she changes her plea, mm. if that is even going to happen or take place.
1: Yeah. It's hard to um I think the scenes with her mother really humanizes her um to people who don't who see her more of a character and less of a person. Um because her mother definitely brings in that that component where you're like, this is a very real person dealing with a very real issue. And yeah, we're seeing it, but like, this is more than entertainment, you know, like it kind of takes you out of it for a second.
0: See, that's interesting because I actually feel she's less humanized when we see her filming with her mom because the framework is always around... I am innocent I'm telling you I'm innocent and the conversation is is about our belief in that like her mom offering or being asked to contribute her nest egg to support her daughter's defense because Jen was targeted and is absolutely not guilty knowing that that's not the case I find myself absolutely my heart breaking for her mother Mm. empathizing for her mom but looking at Jen and being like oh my god Choosing to, f- it feels like she's doing it as a way to support her legal strategy defense as well. She should, by the way, she has every right yeah. to do so. Use the value of uh housewives to invent or enact a value system. But Jesus, like this is you know what happened, yeah because you told the court what actually took place months later. Mm -hmm. It's tough for me to watch her use her family in that way.
1: Oh, no, I agree. I a million percent agree. And I understand. I understand why you feel that way. I think I see her mother, the Mm -hmm. humanity in her mother. Yes, 100 percent. And that's what taps into like what my mom would do that same thing for me. Mm. She would defend me and give me everything that she has. So I am looking at the humanity through her mother.
0: Yeah, no, that's completely understandable.
1: Yeah. It's just like the heartbreak, you know, if you've ever been around a mother who has unfortunately lost a child Mm -hmm. or, you know, something has happened, like there is a, a grief, like it is, it's it snatches your breath away, like it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's very um, yeah, i I just feel like when I see her mother, like there is this sadness, um, it's reality, it's mm-hmm. the realest reality, um, and that's what makes me not tweet things like if someone doesn't get arrested <laughs> soon. <laughs> Shame on you, Erica. Shame. I
0: mean, there is also the idea of like you're only as ha- what is it? You're only as happy as your saddest child. Mm. And I just can't imagine being Jen right now. I do have empathy for the fact that like Jen is crying talking about her sons being in pain. Yeah. And I just I wonder if it's possible if she's even in the has the ability to communicate that she might honestly be in so much pain and I don't begrudge her for that but like to have the conversation about what happens when I'm only as happy as my saddest child and my saddest child is upset because Mm -hmm. I committed a crime Mm. you know I wonder if we're gonna get that I, I it's not in any way a critique of the reality facing this and the work she's probably doing to prepare herself looks like a terrible ending yeah. for her and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think that's a complicated next level to this.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like even th- just the complexity of the family dynamic and everything that's happened on the show. Because mm. people, for very good reason, were very upset when they saw her, her um, sons and nephews being is escorted out uh with guns you know <laughs> pointed at them. Yeah. right um and there was this whole thing about you know the network and was that appropriate to show and then it turned out based on the reunion that Jens the one who supplied the footage for that mm-hmm. um so there has been a definitely i don't know i i i can't even pretend to put myself in a situation like what would i do in this situation well erica what would you do if you stole millions of dollars from elderly people like mm. that's a lot that's a lot of what would i do like that's a deep <laughs> it's a deep road to yeah. get to like hmm is that appropriate but in my opinion based on having no experience like that at all you can't the manipulation feels very deep she is she she's deeply manipulative like in a way that works for reality tv but as we see it only works for a few years mm-hmm. like what's the end game of all of that um yeah I'm totally lost in thought but like it I really from the moment that she showed up on our screens. I remember sitting there and saying to my husband, like something in the buttermilk ain't clean. You can just tell, you can tell, you can tell anytime there's a new housewife uh, or new show, you can tell who's really living that life and who's trying to make it seem like they're living that life. And from the very first shot, I was like, no, no, I knew it was a rental. I knew Well, first of all, none of the furniture made sense. Like mm. if you're spending, like what was that, like a two or three million dollar home or something? At
0: least, right?
1: Yeah. If you're getting a, a price point of a three million dollar home and you're living that life, you have an interior decorator who comes in before you ever move in mm. and they match all the furniture and right. everything is there. She had like home goods sticker, you know, like things up like it was trying to make it feel like a home but it didn't have a soul of a home if that makes sense. Definitely. So she's always been performing. Well, she's always been performing. The only thing that I think that she doesn't perform is family. I think that's something that is a little bit Yeah.
0: I don't disagree. I just think what a fucking reckoning she has had.
1: I know, but if that's what your if that's where your value system lies in the image You know, how many housewives have we seen like that, like who have literally crashed and burned because their value system, a million percent was in this idea that they had all of these things, you know, that they didn't have. And at the end of it, I'm kind of looking at them like, girl, you didn't even need to pretend like your personality was actually what we were gravitating towards, not the idea that you could buy a country.
0: But she's been pretending for years prior. The yeah. grift was, was not um, situation specific to housewives. It had been going on for a while before.
1: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's a lot of people out there like that with, mm-hmm. you know, the Instagram. Like, this is what my life is like. But right. like, it's all I always say, like, people who really have something, whether it's wealth or um, a position of whatever it is. When you have it, everybody knows when you people who don't and are performing like it's like you can't you can't really trick people who are really living that life because there's there's something disingenuous about the way that you're performing it.
0: Yeah, there's the wealth whispers and Jen Shaw has been screaming for years. Yes. 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 Can I ask you um, before we wrap a really crazy question?
1: <laughs> I'm like crazier than everything I've said. I'm literally like, no, this has been. Am I drunk? Okay. This has been one of my
0: favorite episodes <laughs> of the year. Plus, so just so you're aware, I could not. I would be happy and comfortable with this being a nine-hour episode <laughs> and you missing your flight. Oh my gosh. Um, we're both going to BravoCon next mm-hmm. week. Lisa Rinna, who had scheduling conflicts months earlier, mm. has been added to the schedule. Oh. My question is, Jen Shah's sentencing, which was scheduled, I think, for November, has been mm-hmm. delayed until December. Do you think there is a shot in hell, a chance in hell, whatever hell, that Jen Shah will cameo at BravoCon in seven days? Oh, no, five days. Five to seven days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? She totally, uh, yeah, I think so too. Child, yes,
0: (laughs) I really do. I think so too. What
1: is bigger in the the, like, honestly, if I were her, I would be there, I would be there every day. I would be sitting in the lobby, just ready to take selfies and meet my fans. I absolutely like, she should be soaking up everything right now like she's looking at some hard serious time
0: yeah and i've heard the response which is in in, in entirely well intended and smart that she wouldn't listen that her, her, surely her lawyers are telling her that's absolutely not possible but my reaction to that is like when have we seen Jen adapt? To legal counsel in a way that has changed surprising behavior.
1: Yeah, and on top of it, it's a wrap. Like it's a wrap. You
0: might as well, right?
1: Why wouldn't you, girl? I would be child. I would be doing all the things. There wouldn't be a thing that I didn't do before going to the clink. The clink, no. Mm-mm. I'm doing all the things. I'm going to BravoCon. I would be. It would be the first year that there would be a Miss BravoCon. like it would be a full pageant it's the jenshaw show yes
0: conversely jenshaw off the cuff is probably not a great idea
1: what for like answering questions on the pan oh yeah yeah yeah
0: like her like that is actually
1: a liability
0: (laughs) a liability but so is things (laughs) that she will surely say over the course of this season these episodes airing before she's sentenced so i don't know what the difference here Mm, is i don't think
1: there is what is it? Two halves, one's a dozen. How's that saying go? Six
0: of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah, yeah. And she's looking <laughs> like, at more years than that. She's yeah. looking at more years than six. Oh, I don't know. I'm so I'm I'm I wouldn't be surprised. I, I noting what has been going on with Renna and the Bravo con mm. query. I really wouldn't be surprised if Jen does a last minute cameo. Which is not no. in any way a judgment call for me. It's just me like thinking about scheduling. Yeah no i
1: I think we see I think we get a Genshaw moment
0: well listen we may get a Genshaw moment, but this episode has been such a <laughs> fucking moment. can I just say you're coming back ASAP because again guys after the upcoming commercial break I will be discussing Potomac which for us has not yet premiered yeah. this is being recorded prior and I am so so thankful that we had this in-person conversation because since the first moment that we connected and talked I was like this is the dream situation (laughs) and the dream episode for AG and I feel that way even more so if that's possible with us touching base and being in person because I think there's nothing better than that there's truly nothing better than that girl
1: I adore you I appreciate you having me on the pod um you know I'm very much like oh I get the notifications I'm like all right on my way to work like what's Sarah doing today what what's going on what I didn't even know that girl you know oh my god having real conversations with you like during the on like listening to the podcast so I really really appreciate you um. Yes, we can absolutely anytime, anytime. And I, I just want to let y'all know I was at the nightclub like eight hours ago. So if <laughs> Can't I, handle it. I have said so much, I'm like I sound crazy as hell. Oh um, my god! But yeah, it's off the cuff, off the cuff.
0: Well, you look spectacular. We're taking a selfie that you guys can see on social. <laughs> and tell the AGs about your pod, your shows, what you've got cooking. Truly, truly. Tell us everything. Uh,
1: Thank you. Um, So I do a daytime talk show called Daily Blast Live. Um, We're in about 60% of the country. Incredible. So if you have us on broadcast, check us out. Otherwise, you can go to YouTube and uh, we do YouTube Live. Um, Same show. And then I have my podcast, Come Back with Erica Cobb, which is on the Ebony Podcast Network covering Black America. Amazing. Um, I just interviewed a real-life princess. Um,
0: I don't remember going on. Yes, when this yes. Who was it?
1: Who was it? Yes. Her name is Princess Sarah Culberson. Um, it's a fascinating story about how she was a, a biracial woman adopted by a white family in West Virginia and, uh, found out that her father was actually a descendant of royalty, um, in Sierra Leone. And, Disney is actually making a movie about it. It's such an incredible story. Check it out. She is amazing. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the latest ones. And it's just, it's such a great, it's such a great story. Yeah.
0: I love that. And speaking of stories, um, where can people follow you on socials, your IG stories and everything else?
1: Yes. At Erica Cobb. That's Erica spelled like America and Cobb like corn, but two Bs. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Yeah. A pleasure, a joy to have you guys after a little break talking the Potomac premiere. Yeah. OMG. Stay tuned. You guys, how incredible was Erica Cobb? I have to tell you. When she told me she was coming to New York, I literally lost my fucking mind because from the second she came on EG, I was like, this is a kindred spirit. The way that she had and has such interesting, nuanced, complicated takes on Housewives that are always... So smart, so clear, so interesting. I mean, the things that she said about the Meredith and Lisa dynamic took me out. I was like, that is so interesting. And the dream situation is being able to really, truly connect. And something that I probably, and by probably, I mean 100% did, took for granted pre-COVID that I certainly do not since COVID began is recording in person. I think there's a difference (laughs) in the conversations. Although Lord knows that drama very best to provide hopefully an energy and a vibe so that people feel comfortable if they're in the office or over Zoom whatever um, wherever the sitch happens to be taking place. Um, But, you know, pre-COVID, that also limited people coming on the show because I really, truly had only considered doing my podcast in person. I really, while obviously podcasts exist over a variety of medium when it comes to environments and the ways in which to coordinate an episode or recording, um, an interview, whatever you want to call it. Um, For me, I've always felt much more comfortable and at ease just like vibing with each other. So I've had housewives over to the apartment (laughs) before I was introduced to Her Holiness, Tori Hilalisi with Studio Piccolo, who transformed my space. Um, Like I've literally had housewives on the old people's people's couch with gashes on the wall. because I truly have lived in my apartment for over a decade but never I was always I'm like that tenant where I'm like oh I don't want to ask them to repaint even though it's in my lease that that is like a thing I can get done every I forget if it's two or three years but I didn't in over a decade until I realized that I wanted an adult space um, a space to be proud of a space to invite people over for reasons professional or personal and be like what you're seeing when you walk in the door is a piece of me exemplified. Um, But anyway, so like having opening the door to her and having her come in and see the space and we spent a while before recording chatting and it's something that really is so meaningful to me. Um, You know, a nice thing about opening up Ag, you know, a couple years ago, um, to the Zoom style recording is that I was introduced to a lot of people who are based out of New York, which is fantastic and something I really, really look forward to and seek out when I'm introducing new guest co-hosts to the vibe of Andy's Girls. Um, but it makes it even more special when someone who isn't based in New York is able to literally come over to the cloth because there's a connection there. And I have felt a connection over Zoom with Erica since we were first introduced. And to just like have her in the cloth talking, deep diving, my God, I could talk to her about Rena for days, let alone hours, was so incredibly meaningful to me. And again, it's something I mean, drinking game, every time I say I don't take it for granted, have a drink, uh, have a Corona in honor of Potomac tonight. Um, but it's something that I really, really don't take for granted. And there was one moment where I did have a mini spiral, which I talked to her about before recording, because I wanted to jump on the opportunity to have her over to the cloffice, which happened before Potomac premiered. And there was a, a piece of my heart that broke because there would be no one I would love to talk to more about Potomac within the construct of talking also about Beverly Hills and Salt Lake and everything else we discussed than Erica. Um, And it didn't work out for us timing wise, but I am so appreciative that we are able to have the conversation that we did and that I have another incredible, amazing guest later on with this weekend's episode to Deep Dive Potomac. And also, this is an opportunity for us to chat. Um, I felt like I was still kind of riding high from the convo with Erica, which led into the Potomac premiere, which was incredible. There is something about Potomac that just feels, no disrespect, better than everything else (laughs) It's the editing. It's like the saturation in the color of the episodes. I feel like everything looks brighter and cleaner. Literally like the backgrounds when they're sitting at that little divorce picnic Michigas or separation lunch. I don't even know what to call it. Everything just looks more interesting. And that is exemplified in every way the cast, the plot, what's going on. It feels like it's maybe an odd thing to say, but there is something about Potomac that I find incredibly meaningful because it's a different form of escapism for me personally, just like Susie Viewer, honestly, before podcast or whatever else, that is different for me than anything else. Maybe the only... Possible comparison I could make is early to mid year Real Housewives of New York. And this makes sense in my head. It might not make sense to you, and that makes a lot of sense to me, but there is something about the escapism that comes from watching women at different points in their life, in their story, like their literal IRL story, that is genuinely escapism for me. I've never been in like a super, super significant long-term relationship for a variety of reasons. I don't have kids. P.S. My sweet fish son PK is just send him your love. Something, I hate to use the phrase fishy, is going on with him, but I'm hoping for the best. Um, but I do not have human children. <laughs> I have fish fish kids. Um, And, you know, having never been married, I also can't check off the list getting divorced. And there is something about watching these women specifically and watching their stories, which is escapist for me because I haven't experienced that. Like, I think we think of escapism when we think of Housewives being connected to the world of glamour or celebrity or Hollywood, thinking in many ways about like the yesteryear, seemingly, of Beverly Hills and an Hermes party now and again. Um, but that idea of escapism and of seeing something, not necessarily that you consider unattainable or as a goal, even, but just an experience that you haven't had a chapter in your book that hasn't been written not to say that it won't not to say that you that you want it to be but something that feels I mean kind of just honestly different from the life that you have chosen to live the circumstances in which you have found yourself and watching the women react to the way that Ashley is like navigating her separation slash divorce watching Giselle react with such emotion and um, sadness understandably so to seeing her beautiful wonderful lovely daughters grow up 16 my god that's such that's such a a, an important moment in any child and in a parent's life because you're straddling your high school career for lack of a better term and you know your kids are graduating looking at colleges looking at those next stages of their lives as they become independent people i could understand how upsetting that could feel but i haven't experienced it so for me the escapism is like kind of the wonder of all of this i mean we all rejoice in delight in the glow up (laughs) that has taken place with the Grand Dame and there's also such a grounding energy that she presents like this element of grace that she gives she can be a smart ass she's obviously incredibly quick very very funny and can be very very dry but even in the way she was like navigating and trying to guide Mia to understand what Mia was going through with those very very confusing Instagram posts that I remember when she first posted about whatever she was going through I was incredibly confused and giving it a little bit of side eye because it felt purposely evasive of whatever was going on in a way that I didn't understand and watching Karen navigate that was fantastic um it's important. I feel like all of these women are so important to the story and so important to the show. I mean, I myself, I don't like I don't like Rudd from you if there was maybe like a weakest link in the cast. I know in previous episodes of A.G. during last season, I absolutely thought that she would be it. And I do admit I was really surprised when she was asked back. But I'm excited to see where that takes us. I think like her energy had something to the environment of Potomac. I am concerned, confused about some of her recent social media posts about whatever is going on with her company that she runs or ran with her husband and whatever's going on with her family dynamics. I'm sure we'll get into that more not necessarily as the season goes on, because I don't know that this becomes a part of her storyline on the season, but I would certainly expect it to be discussed the next time she's on Watch What Happens Live, 100% at the reunion. But all of this to say, it was like a warm hug from above (laughs) when I sat down to watch the Potomac Premiere. And, you know, listen, I'm not going to say that I am setting the standard of doing this for every episode. I can't say that. I don't believe it in my bones that this is going to come true. But the last two weeks, I have watched Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City live, recapping as we all, or as many of us experience, um, at least on the uh, East Coast when the episodes aired going through the process of reacting on Instagram stories. And there is a high. And I forgot. And I'm sure you guys listening are like, duh, Sarah, duh. Like, literally, duh. And I just had forgotten about it because it has been a very, very long time <laughs> since I watched episodes live. Still still sipping my Harney and Son Cinnamon Spice Tea, just decaf for the PM. And I did that with Potomac, too, and it was wonderful. It felt like, I mean, I feel like a part of the Bravo community, but it felt just kind of extra special because You weren't able to get any Easter eggs, a.k.a. like literal clips that people posted that you may or may not accidentally see the next day on social before watching episodes. Like, It felt brand new. And that was incredibly exciting to watch. I mean, there is so much that I want to get into as the season goes on that will probably directly apply to that premiere episode. Because I feel like it was setting up so much. Also, I just have to say, for the record, I think we all deserve to have an Uncle Lump in our lives. That man, talk about a grounding, graceful force of good. That to me is Uncle Lump. And I was so appreciative for that scene with him and Ashley and Ashley's mom talking about whatever is happening with her divorce, which I... You know, again, as someone who hasn't experienced a getting married, splitting up in that way, um, under the construct of marriage, uh, I am a little confused about Ashley's intentions. Maybe this is because we were all universally, it was like literally Bravo Christmas when we found out that they were splitting because he's so deeply unworthy of her. It's not even funny. But I kind of assumed when they broke up. And I don't re- I don't remember her statement on the top of my head when she like announced it to us or whatever. But I kind of assumed it was like the, the, the divorce. And I'm a little confused about the way that she's describing it with the cast. Like initially at that divorce picnic slash separation lunch, it did appear that she was saying, yeah, divorce. Divorce is happening. I don't know how much of this is like, edit versus just agreeing when someone says so you're getting divorced versus someone saying so you're getting divorced and hearing that out loud like maybe in her heart she heard that through different ears I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone but it sort of makes sense to me like the idea that like the first conversation ostensibly about the di- about the split would be focused on the ending and then maybe because follow-up conversations were about this like home purchase maybe she felt like she wanted to hang on to some sort of purgatory or to be determined but then I think about the ways that like she's describing the reasons why she and Michael are no more that there were things he was looking for in the relationship, sexually or otherwise, that were no longer of interest to her. And I just wonder, you know, it it felt to me like she was trying to set or reset boundaries with someone who we have seen for years has no interest in respecting them in any way when it comes to physical consent with inappropriate groping fondling of people in scenes that were filmed or discussed when it comes to allegations of cheating stepping out even in the way he sometimes reacted to filming it just felt like there were boundaries when it came to a person's sense of like decency and respect that he kind of made fun of or felt like he was too powerful to have to respect. And that also seemed to echo in their marriage. Like he never, I never felt like he respected her or her voice. And it makes me concerned when we hear that, you know, the prenup is no longer, which mazel tov, extremely into that. You do you. Love it. But the fact that she hasn't paid any bills or anything at this point like the idea of like you know 50 percent of whatever he has is going to be mine I don't feel a lot of trust that Michael is going to respect her by being like fiscally responsible and honest when this stuff gets heated which she also acknowledged in the premier premiere by the way she said something along the lines of like you know, it's okay now. It might not be in the future, which I think is very, very important to acknowledge. But it's also important, as her mom and uncle Lump said, to get someone to advocate on your behalf now. Like I would think you would want someone there if you intend to divorce, if you're at that point get someone who can advocate for you so that he's not setting the environment. Like, I don't, I understand the, Concept of using an LLC in which to buy a house, like that makes sense to me. I know a lot of celebs do that when I read stuff about like New York real estate, and it's done by people so that you don't necessarily see a celeb's name when someone is buying property. It makes it kind of easier to disguise. And I'm sure that there are financial reasons for it too. I think I remember this could be totally wrong, guys, but I think I remember during Bethany and Jason's split maybe the reveal that they had bought their apartment with an LLC which again is not uh out of the norm for people of means to do that. I'm sure that there are tax reasons related to it, fine, you know, like other financial reasons related to it and whatever else, but it makes me nervous if she doesn't have an advocate to advise her that she's like putting down offers on houses because what is the arrangement that you have is there just an expectation of trust that Michael is not gonna fuck you over because of the kids if that was the case I don't think he would have been such a dick in the marriage You know what I'm saying? Like I can only go off of someone's behavior. And when you're dealing with a split and maybe Michael understanding that if he thought in his head he had control over Ashley financially or otherwise, that that might be coming to an end, I could see him being very open and engaging and positive about Going in on getting property together because he could be thinking about it subconsciously or otherwise as another form of control. And it makes me nervous because of not having legal counsel in there or having legal counsel who's only there to support Michael's best interests from a business perspective, personal perspective, and not necessarily Ashley's. Like, part of the divorce to me is the idea that those financial interests are no longer aligned. Like, I don't, if, if there is a reason for them to get this house together that makes a ton of sense financially that won't necessarily, like how do you, is she planning to then buy him out of the house? Is that going to come out of her settlement? Are they having those kinds of conversations? Are we thinking about this as a part of the negotiation for her divorce? And if that's the case, why are we pushing back when people, when why are you pushing back and saying that you're separated? We're not talking divorce. Or we're separated, we're not using the term divorce. It's a little, it's not the kind of intentionally vague that we're seeing otherwise, but it it just makes me uh, feel a little cautious on Ashley's behalf. And I feel like maybe a lot of people are not necessarily thinking similarly, but ha- having a big question mark over this Um Next chapter in their lives. Also, do we know uh, in real time if she has moved? Has she moved into a house? Is it the house in Arlington, Virginia? Is it this one or another one? Also, speaking of business decisions, Peter, Peter Thomas, um, guys, I'm giving an opportunity to to, to buy into Andy's girls. You get to um produce two episodes a year. And just so you know, I've done a valuation of the podcast and spoiler alert, it is also $1.5 million. So there's going to be a new premium tier to Patreon and you can get that premium tier for two episodes a year. That's 20% kind of sort of pretend there are 10 months instead of 12. I do sometimes. Uh, for how much was it? Three hundred k. I just watched that happen in real time. I was so confused as the scene was going on because he was saying, like, I'll cover it financially, which I was like, when did that happen? <laughs> when did Peter become that financially secure noting how dysfunctional the hospitality industry can be in which to make that kind of investment. And then when he was like, yada yada, 1.5, so you'll give 300K, I was like, got it. <laughs> I literally, it might have been in the, it's your own story, I literally was like, check. Like, <laughs> I mean, literal and figurative, check. That made a lot more sense. Um, my goodness, I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope that Dr. Wendy focuses on on the Wicks, maybe and not the Thomas let's let's grow that candle company because um while the idea of of a Nigerian bar slash um library is um interesting i am nervous about the financial stability in that investment you know in a form of work with a lot of st- instability in the hospitality industry and would love to see the deck. Would love to see the investor deck. I think there's a lot there. Um, Also, speaking of a lot, I do have to say that watching Karen and Giselle back is like watching a, a part of my soul be restored. The way that they are able to, I don't know, support each other, laugh with each other, Um, riff with each other, sometimes yell at each other, and still come together shows the impact of not only like mutual respect, but also knowing each other for so long. I think what makes Potomac so especially valuable is that these are women who already have very fulfilled lives pre- Housewives. I think that is why so many OGs are still not only in the cast, but like necessary for the show. You can have OGs who stay for however many years, but who aren't necessarily still integral to the foundation of the show. And every OG on Potomac is. Like the fact that Charisse is now coming in and out, God bless Absolutely, that should happen because she has known these women for years. Robin said Charisse was the one who introduced her to Giselle. You cannot buy that kind of connection or history when you're doing casting. And I think what makes Potomac so interesting and so engaging is, again, not only have these women had complete and continue to have complete lives that exist off camera, they're not, there's a certain point in a housewife's journey where like their off-camera life has to be shown on camera or on social to continue some other aspect of it, or it blends together in such a way that you feel like their off-camera life does have like a Valencia filter applied. And I feel like Potomac is so different from that because I feel like they have been able to stay so grounded. And I think a part of that is because these women are very grounded, regardless of what happens with moments of conflict or whatever else. Um... And my God, these women are all so fucking funny. Even when they fight, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's great. I mean, Giselle being like, no touching. How can you, (laughs) haven't we all been there? There are people in my life who I like will give side eye to, but whatever. It's like not necessarily passive aggressive greetings, but it's like, okay, I got it. Like, cool. We're going to smile, whatever. But I get it. And there are a few slack people in my life where I have had moments where I'm like, got it. I'm giving you cold because that's what you deserve. We're not playing any other game. Like, you have fucked with me in such a way, I'm not going to do the social errors because behind the scenes, you're a bastard. And the way that, <laughs> the way that Giselle greeted Dr. Wendy with the, like, don't fuck with me, regardless of whether or not you thought that was appropriate, I understood it. <laughs> I have done stuff that's similar. I'm like, I get it. Like at a certain point, there's no looking back or at least we'll say hi, but we're not going to hug. You don't, we're not going to do that. That's actually too much for me. But there is something about this cast. There's something about this cast in this show. I feel like we deserve this after so much of what we've endured (laughs) with Beverly Hills. I feel like Potomac zooms ahead. You know, instead of having a whisper campaign about whatever's happening with Mia's post, someone cuts to the chase. We have women who respond to it in different ways. These are different people in this universe. The way that uh, Karen is going to go about a conversation, very, very different from Giselle. But aren't we so lucky to have both? So lucky to have both. And I'm excited to see, by the way, what happens with Candace, Um And Ashley, especially because there is going to be such a significant rupture between Ashley and Giselle. Oh, no, sorry, between Candace and Giselle. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with, with Ashley and Candace. And I also feel like Candace had a great episode. You know, all of these women in the cast. Are great for the show and we are so lucky to have them and I'm excited to continue the conversation about Potomac. My God, we are just so fortunate. I like can't get over it. <laughs> you know, some of their communications might be intentionally vague, but let me not in this five muzzle of the day, a new rating system that do- doesn't make any sense <laughs> that I just created. Um, You know, I'm curious for your thoughts. What did you think about the premiere? You know I love when I get your satchels of gold. And as a reminder to AG's new and returning Satchels of gold, named in honor of her Holiness Kelly Kaloran Ben Simone from Scary Island, are your thoughts and feelings, questions and concerns about all things housewives, maybe reacting to a conversation on AG, anything else, Bravo, and otherwise that you can send my way, and I would love to get your Potomac satchels before I do a satchel spectacular on Patreon, which is t- typically the place where I devote a lot of time. those episodes are long the bonus episodes on patreon really diving deep into examining responding to unpacking the satchels that you guys send me and you can send them over patreon slide into my patreon dms you can send them to me over instagram at dame galley and also watch me recap some of these episodes live or you can email a thesis to me at Show at gmail.com. Again, that's Show at gmail.com. Guys, BravoCon is soon upon us. At the end of the week, I'm going to put up some polls on Patreon about some panels that I, the, the problem, it's too much of a good thing. There are panels that are overlapping. I don't know what to do, which one to attend. There's literally an Ask Andy session that's happening at the same time as like a panel of OG All-Star Housewives. I don't know what Direction to go in for that. I think Giselle might be one of the housewives. I'm like, I can't, I don't know that I have physical capacity not to see Giselle every opportunity I possibly can. So, um, I'm gonna post those polls because I could use your help. Um, and speaking of help, but not actually really, um, a Big episode on the Patreon, a one hour bonus episode with recent AG350 guest co-host James LaRosa, where we talk about the future of New York, (laughs) legacy, reboot, priorities, cast, and a deep dive into the recent Salt Lake City episode talking about um, the cast support and Whitney's husband's support for the experience that she's shared. Certainly something that I'm sure we'll hear more about as this season goes on. Um, and a little Lisa Meredith and more. And you can listen to that episode and so much more at patreon.com slash Girls. Guys, my god, AG351. I almost called it 350 spiritual 350 because I'm feeling a momentous vibe I'm so glad that we chatted Potomac just now just me and you one-on-one I'm curious for your thoughts let me know my God, BravoCon, stay on my social. I have some ideas on things that I want to do during panels, so make sure that you're <laughs> following me on Instagram. Um, it's going to be a crazy weekend. I'm going to the Watch What Happens Legends Ball. There's going to be a lot happening. If you're attending BravoCon, seek me out. Let's say hi. Tell me your favorite housewife. Tell me your spiritual housewife. I want to chat. Let me know your thoughts and feels. And if you're not going, you'll be there in spirit and so much more because i'll be covering it 24 7 um on instagram and otherwise uh guys hope you're all doing okay happy almost era of bravo con not really kind of sorta and uh listen we'll chat soon okay Bye bye